We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. It's game day. We've got Lakers versus Kings tonight. No, the King will not be in action. LeBron James sitting this one out. But we're going to talk a little bit about tonight's game. We're going to talk about the Lakers offensive scheme, why it's very different than what we've seen last season. Also going to take a peek at the Lakers cap situation. I've had a lot of people asking about that. What does the Lakers situation look like potentially for next summer? So we'll take a quick peek ahead there too. Maybe a little bit to be concerned about there. Long way to go, but we're going to take a look at that. Uh, we'll also fi finish off with some of our Super Chat questions from last night's live show that we weren't able to get through from the uh, Lakers versus Nets post game. So lots of stuff packed into today's show. Joining me is Sean Davis. Sean, I love this time of year. This is a blast. We've got Lakers basketball back. We've got a ton of things to talk about on the show. Let's go. Let's go, man. Um, I, I, I like the the clever play on words at the start, so much so that I think I knocked my camera out in the process. <laughs> Did um, you? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's how you know we're uh, fully back into Lakers basketball because Trevor is, our, is uh, making puns. So that's how you know we're back and – uh, yeah, super excited for uh, to talk about. We got, like I said, we got a bunch of stuff to dive into today. Let's let's start out with that offensive system that we're seeing from the Lakers. Uh, Fifty-five threes put up against the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not Sheesh. anticipating that happening consistently. That would be absolutely insane, but uh, not going to happen. Also, another thing. This is just an aside. Darvin Ham said after practice yesterday that he wants Anthony Davis to take six threes a game. I think he's exaggerating. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Yeah, That's he's got to be exaggerated. It's not happening. It's not his his career high is three and a half a game, and that was in the championship season in 2020. It's not happening. But more threes, sure. In fact, the whole team seems to be well better dialed in from behind the arc certainly than last year's iteration of the Lakers. So, Sean, they're playing a lot of five out. Let's step into your world. What do you make of this Lakers offense? I love it. I think um first off in terms of what they are running out of the five out stuff it's a lot of the it's a lot of similar concepts that every team is running or every team that runs five outs doing like some delay action with the big at the top that can pull into a bunch of different uh things like you know uh chicago action which is a popular one and other things like that um but in this modern basketball right and you can give a bunch of different people credit you can give D'Antoni, even whether it's the Suns and like the seven second or less Suns, or like even his Rocket Suns to a certain extent, Kerr and the Warriors, obviously. I think there's still heavy influence from like Pop to a certain extent and Spo. But it's the two most efficient shots at basketball are shots at the rim or shots off of a paint touch. And we saw last night, I think it was a stat going around on Twitter. The Lakers shot 77 or 78% of their shot diet last night was either at the rim or from three-point range, which makes sense because those are the two best shots in basketball. Five out gives you an increased floor spacing or just driving lanes, rather. Um, that's one of the, the benefits of going five out. And then when you have six-ish legitimate shooters to where 
the gravity is is great to where you can't double Anthony Davis on a post up anymore. And if you do, Anthony Davis is a talented enough of a playmaker out of doubles to where okay, instead of Anthony Davis getting doubled and passing out to Patrick Beverly, he's passing it out to Torian Prince, Max Christie, D'Lo, Austin, etc. Right? Um, you can't really double a LeBron isolation attempt anymore. So. I think the increased floor spacing based off the the, the added shooting, the five out principles. Um, I think this Lakers have this Lakers team has upside to be a top five unit on each end with like top twelve as kind of like the downside. Like if the shooting isn't as good, um, injuries happen. AD for some reason isn't the same defensive dude. I guess like this team has the opportunity to be elite on both ends. Um, and that's something to really be excited about as a Laker fan. I, I mean, just to put it into context, like if you're top five, both offense and defense, you're championship team. Like that's, that's you're, you're right there, right? You're, you are probably the favorite to win it all. If not a one of uh, a, a few favorites to win it all. If you are a top five, both on offense and defense, but essentially what we're talking about here is just more floor spacing. And that's what it seems that the Lakers have. And if you have more players that can shoot from outside, that's going to open things up. You're running more Anthony Davis behind the three point line. I don't want AD just camped out behind the three point line all the time, but just being enough of a threat and having those threats, what it's going to do is it's going to make life that much easier on everybody on Austin Reeves, getting to the rim on D getting to the rim, LeBron James, getting to the rim. You're not going to have three, four bodies in the paint. Now, it'll be interesting to see how this may change when Jared Vanderbilt is in the game against the Nets. There was no Jared Vanderbilt. Are they just sagging off of him? And then can he make them pay by knocking in that corner three? But if the three point, not the volume, but the percentage, if that's something that is in any way sustainable in terms of them shooting 35-ish percent from three, maybe a little bit better, and you have guys that are all, as Sean said, legit threats, that's going to open things up a lot. It doesn't just mean a barrage of threes. It's going to open up the paint even more for drives as well. So look for the guys to take advantage of that. Yeah, and I, even the Lakers' ball screen attack, I think it's going to be a lot better this year. The Lakers score, they only ran, they only had three, maybe even four, pick and roll, roll man scoring possessions in uh, yesterday's game against the Nets. And person energy of scoring possession is a made shot, missed shot, foul, or turnover. And pick and roll, roll man just signifies that, like, the roll man, whether it's a pick and pop, a pick and roll, etc., that's the guy that's scoring off the action. Every time they ran a, like, they had a scoring possession for the big out of a pick and roll, they scored every single time. Like, literally, their points per possession was two. Um, the Lakers points per possession on pick and roll offense in general so far this preseason is 1.037, which is really, really good. That's yeah. the pick and roll offense in general. And then one points per possession on the through two games on pick and roll romance. Like this offense is going to be really, really good. And I think a lot of these guys are going to be really, really good fits. And last thing, Trevor, the Lakers are shooting. They're not shooting. They are scoring 1.176 points per possession on spot-up attempts, which is like, it could be a drive-in, kick, catch-and-shoot, drive-in, kick, like, drive it back in there and, and finish, or it's something basically created off of a drive, and you can attack off of that, essentially. So, yeah, this Lakers offense can be really, really good this year. So when we're looking at the at the way things are changing, as just something to recognize, as we're watching the games, we're hanging out together over on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation, you're watching the game there with us. Keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on how this Lakers offense is operating differently than it did last season based on the current personnel that are that are on the team. You're seeing more open looks from behind the arc. That's going to create more opportunities at the rim. Watch the way the spacing impacts this team. And also look at where they're funneling shots. You know, we saw against the Nets, Austin Reeves had six threes. That's the type of volume that we're looking for from Austin. Six three-point attempts, I should say. He made four of them, which I mean, we'll take that all day, every day. But uh, D'Angelo Russell has been hitting from behind the arc. He's been taking a lot of shots. LeBron James came back. Does he start to pair back the three-point attempts when he's surrounded by guys like D'Lo, like Austin, like Torian Prince, who shot the hell out of the ball as well? 
Christian Wood hasn't made a three yet, but we know that he certainly can do it. And if Anthony Davis is continuing to shoot at a high rate, that's going to stretch defenses even further. And I think, it, again, be a big part of this Lakers offensive attack. I'm not expecting, Sean, for this team to morph into a Golden State Warrior-esque three-point shooting squad. But I do think the three is going to be more of a weapon for them this season based on what we've seen, the principles we've seen so far in preseason. Yeah. And the Lakers for the amount of, you know, catch and shoot die that they won from their offense. And this is just how uh, Boone Holzer tree guys operate. Even when Darwin was in Milwaukee, Lakers had the 11th most uh, catch and shoot attempts last season. Um, this is including the playoffs, I believe. Um, but they were only 23rd in terms of points per possession, 11th in terms of like uh, shot attempts per game off a of catch and shoot. So if the Lakers are 11th at catch and shoot attempts, but 15th even in mm. points per possession off a of catch and shoot, they're going to be a really, really good offense this season. Now, last thing before we move on to the salary cap situation, one other thing to keep an eye on two games in a row so far in preseason. And this could be a byproduct of, of more three-point attempts. The Lakers have come up the short on the short end in terms of free throw attempts compared to their opponent, which is not something that we saw happen very often last season. The Lakers were great at two things. They were great at getting to the free throw line, and they were great at defending without fouling. So their opponents didn't shoot very many free throws. And the two teams they played, the Golden State Warriors and the Brooklyn Nets, neither one of those teams is, is really a high-volume free-throw shooting, especially not the Golden State Warriors, who are, are very much a jump-shooting team. Now, you've got a lot of other players that are in the game right now than their traditional rotation guys. Steph Curry didn't play the entire game, so Clay Thompson didn't play. The, you know, the, their main shooters, their spot-up guys, didn't play a lot, so you're getting more action going to the rim. But still, it's just something to keep an eye on because there is always a give-and-take. There's going to be a downside. Whatever you do, there's going to be a negative that's going to come come along with it. You play more minutes for one player, that means somebody else is losing minutes. You shoot more threes, probably the downside of that is less free throw attempts. So that's something else to keep an eye on here. Two games so far where the Lakers have shot fewer free throws than their opponent. All right, Sean. So far, uh, I've enjoyed watching this Lakers team in preseason. They've looked really good. I think the more uh, three-point attempts can be a net positive, even if the sacrifice is... Uh, free throws. But one of the things that I've been asked about quite a bit is what happens with the salary cap now that they've signed all of these players. Now that you've got Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, on and on. Uh, Torian Prince is on a one-year deal, but you've got a lot of guys that you added this year, a lot of guys you've committed to long-term. What's the cap situation looking like moving forward? And so what I want to do is go into that a little bit. Um, here's what it looks like. And it's a little bit concerning. And Sean, this could put you into an absolute panic if the worst case scenario comes to pass. Because looking at the roster right now, um, podcast listeners, what I've put up on the screen is the Lakers salary cap situation for 2024. It's never too early to start looking at this. Don't worry, we will get into the Kings game preview right after this. But LeBron James, assuming he sticks around, he doesn't opt out and go play wherever um, Bronny goes, right? He stays. He's on the roster. Anthony Davis, D'Angelo Russell, he has a player option. Let's assume he picks that up too, right? Maybe he doesn't. We'll talk about that in a minute. Rui, Austin Reeves, uh, Gabe Vincent, Jared Vanderbilt, Jalen Huchifino, Max Lewis. That's nine players on your roster. And at that point, the Lakers would have 170 million, almost 171 million in salaries. Now, the cap next year, right now, and this may change. This is why Lakers Nation, important this season, that we pay attention to what the projection is for salary cap. If you get a, if a story comes out in February that says, oh, the NBA made more money than they thought. The salary cap is projected to go up by an extra couple million dollars. That may matter a lot to the Lakers this year. This is why salary caps at 142 million. Lakers are going to be well over that. The tax kicks in at 172.5 million. Lakers are probably going to be over that too. 
we're not worried about that number though. Here's where we're worried. 179.9 million. Again, this is with a with a 4% cap increase. It can go up to a 10% increase. The Lakers would prefer it to be 10%. The first apron, 179.9 million. If you use your mid-level exception, if you use your biannual exception, which the Lakers can't because they used it this year on Torian Prince, if you uh, accept a player in a sign and trade, you trigger a hard cap at 179.9 million. The Lakers already with 171 million almost in salaries with just those nine players. Yeah, no mid-level exception for the Lakers next year. They won't have that $13 million to go spend. Instead, the number we're looking at, it is just shy of 191 million. The second apron, the dreaded second apron, the more punitive measures they kick in next summer makes trading very difficult, makes a lot of things, makes roster building in general very difficult on you. This year, you've got some teams like the Suns, the Celtics, who are saying, we're going to try to go all in right now, spend, spend, spend while we can, because we know the hammer comes down next summer with this second apron. There's not nearly as punitive measures that are in place currently. So that 191 almost million dollars, that second apron, what happens there? Well, right now, everything looks okay. I've got Christian Wood, Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish, all of them opting out. They don't, the second year player option on a minimum deal, their goal is not to opt into that. So I have them opting out. But let's say they do opt in. Then you've got 12 players under contract, 178 million on the books. And you could probably use the, say, $5 million taxpayer mid-level exception, which would trigger a hard cap at that second apron. And you'd probably still be okay. You can fill out your, your roster. You barely squeak under, but you're good. But, Sean, you notice there isn't anything there for Max Christie right now. That's where we start running into issues. How likely is it that you think that Max has a breakout season this year, Sean? Um... This is going to suck. So for a separate project, I'm working on like some guys that just throughout the NBA in general, who I think are breakout candidates. And unfortunately, and unfortunately in like a scenario, like the, the Trevor's painting, Max Christie is legitimately one of the guys I have as a breakout candidate. This mm-hmm. is great news for the Lakers because I mean, he's another guy that's going to play well for your team and help this team hopefully win a championship but i I think it's very likely trevor i mean he's six six to shoot the three defend at a high level one of the knocks i think was his like play strength and contact balance where i think you saw in summer league you've kind of seen small glimpses of it throughout the first two games of the preseason where you can't really bump him off a spot offensively, which makes him a lot more of an effective driver. Um, where we talked about the Lakers five out offense, one of the reasons why Torian Prince and Ruri makes so much sense is because mm-hmm. they can be legitimate shooting threats, but also be great at attacking off closeouts. And that's something Max is also good at. And now you can't like bump him off because he's added on, what do you say, 15 to 20 pounds of, of muscle through yep. uh, the whole first year and a half or so of his NBA career. Um, like I said, makes him much of a better driver and finisher. So, and he's just the like archetype of a role player to pair next to LeBron James. So, like, I think it's very likely he's gonna break out, which would put him like at least close to Vando money, which based off the conversation is gonna make things increasingly more difficult for the Lakers. Yeah, well, he can get um he, he would be in an Austin Reeves situation where he'd be a restricted free agent. He'd be limited in terms of what the what the, the rest of the league could pay him. But um, how about San Antonio just offers him four years, $100 million? I mean, they could. They could. But but let's say you still have the arenas. You still have the arenas provision. They're protecting you. But let's say he gets an Austin deal. He gets $13 million. Uh-oh. Now, look, we're at even just with 10 players on the roster, not including Wood, not including Hayes, not including Reddish. We're at almost 184 million. That's with 10 guys on the roster. Remember that number that the Lakers and I think a lot of teams, they're not going to want to pass 191 million. 
So you're talking about $7 million and four roster spots left to fill. That's assuming Wood, Hayes, Reddish, they're gone. Now that's if Max gets the full $13 million. Who knows? Maybe maybe he gets $10 million and that gives you a little bit more wiggle room. Um, look, if everybody opts in and Max gets $13 million, yeesh, you're just over. You're yeah, just over, and that's million. with thirteen, and that's with thirteen players on your roster. That's if everybody opts in, and Max gets that thirteen million. You're at one hundred ninety-one point seven million. Remember, right now it's projected to be one hundred ninety point eight million. Again, this is why Lakers Nation, we got to pay attention this year. Does the cap go up more than it's projected to? If the cap does go up, that's going to mean more money for LeBron. That's going to mean more money for AD. It's not like it goes up two million. Suddenly, the Lakers have two million in in extra spending room because some of these salaries are, are tied to the cap uh, as a percentage, but nonetheless, it would still give them a bit more wiggle room. Now, the nightmare scenario, I was Sean, D'Lo falls out. Yeah, that's the the challenge. Because let, let me look. There's, I don't know if Max Christie's going to get 13. We don't know what he's going to do. Maybe he gets 10 million and then, okay, you've, all right, you've got your wiggle room, right? But what happens if Max has a breakout season and he gets his 13 million and D'Angelo Russell has a big year. He opts out of his player option, and the market value for him is about $10 million more than he's making right now. That would put him about $28 million. Then you're in a situation where you are deciding, essentially, between either sending out salary in order to clear space or you're picking one of D'Lo or Max Christie to hang on to. I don't <laughs> not not idea. And again, I, we're we're way early on this. We don't yeah. have to worry about it all right now. Like there's a lot of things that can happen between now and then. I don't mean to panic anybody or think, but that's just that's where the numbers are sitting right now. I've built the reputation for some reason I'm the D'Angelo Russell hater when like genuinely he's like my second or third favorite player on this roster. Um like but regardless of that, um the Lakers are going to have to make a very tough decision because I think it's going to come down to a couple of things. One, first of all, like, to what degree does D'Lo, are we talking like he's a bona fide all-star caliber point guard or just like. I Here's what I think it would take. And, and by okay. the way, this is, this is without, and this is with just veteran minimum spending power. Cause if you are, if you use your taxpayer mid-level, it triggers that hard cap at 190.8 million. I don't right. even know if the Lakers are going to have the room to use that $5 million taxpayer mid-level. But let's say D'Lo puts up the same numbers he did last year, so right? What, shoots 40, six. shoots 18 and six, shoots 40% from three, and he does it in the postseason too. That that's, may be all it takes. That's probably it, yeah. Yep. D'Lo, D'Lo proves he's not a, like he can... Play at a high level in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that is just something, again, not to panic anybody or anything like that. Don't worry. We're, we've got a long way to go before any of this. But who knows? Maybe Max Christie doesn't have a great season. He just has a solid season and he's worth like seven and a half million. And then these numbers look very different. What, and maybe D'Lo just picks up his player option for next year. Or maybe he opts out and he just wants long-term security and you can get him to take the exact same number just over four, you know, he on a four-year contract instead of with one more year remaining. A lot can happen between now and then. Trades can come up too. But just the way things are right now, the Lakers are going to be up against that second apron a little bit if both Max Christie and D'Lo deserve big raises for next year. Something to keep an eye on. And then, of course, the other bit to this, if LeBron doesn't pick up his player option, throw away everything I just said because that, that changes all the math on everything. Yeah, LeBron doesn't pick up that option. You don't have cap space, but like you're not worried about being a second tax apron right. team at all. You're a mid-level you, exception team now and, exception. and all that. By the way, also, if D'Lo opts out and he walks away, which I don't and think is the preferred option here, but and he walks away, the Lakers could find themselves where they're suddenly a, a, a full mid-level exception team, If you know, depending on what else happens. But full mid-level, you'd rather have D'Lo than a mid-level exception player because I'd imagine sure. he's going to be better than that. But 
right that avenue that up that window could open if Delo were to just walk away in, in free agency but it's weird. something to consider something to keep an eye on weird scenario let's say max breaks out to where we're at this 13 million dollar number LeBron opts out and leaves, and D'Lo opts out and leaves. Where does that put you at money-wise? Okay, so no D'Lo, no Max, and no, no LeBron? No, Max stays, but oh, no Max LeBron. Stays, sorry. And you can keep Max at that number. LeBron's gone, D'Lo's gone? Yeah. And we're going to say, let's say everybody else stays. Everybody let's say Wood, stays. Hayes, Reddish, they all stay. $121 million, you would be uh, $20 million below the cap. But that's with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven players under contract. So your sure. empty roster spot two. charge would be like a million and a half. So that's no big deal. Uh yeah, you'd have about 20 million in cap space in that scenario, but no LeBron, no Delo. Yeah. So not enough to go chase a top tier free agent, obviously. Yeah. So that's where you're at. That's what we're looking at there. So once again, long way to go. But what we want to hear over the course of this season, Lakers Nation, we want to hear that the cap, it's going up because that can help with this situation. And we're going to keep a close eye. How does D'Angelo Russell play? How does yep. Max Christie play? And the other thing to keep in mind, if Max and D'Lo both blow up to where they are, just you cannot lose those guys. That's a good thing. They they have so many contracts on this team that are that are very, very movable if need be. So I wouldn't, again... There's things that can be done. There's things that can be done, but it's something to keep an eye on. And let's just, again, root for them both to ball out. Absolutely. Ultimately, it, it helps. It helps us. So for sure, helps the team. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. Okay, Sean, let's talk about tonight's game. Sure. The Lakers taking on the Sacramento Kings. No, LeBron James. Um, this is a game that. If you haven't bought tickets for it yet, if you haven't gotten in the door yet, you may want to go check out the Game Time app. It's a great way. Do <laughs> you like that? Do you like that? Uh, you can go check out the Game Time app and buy tickets to your favorite event, last even minute. last minute. It's one of the great things about Game Time. You can get tickets last minute and get some fantastic deals. Uh, with game time, they have the guarantee, which means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit 110% of the difference back. That's how much they believe. They know that they are going to be giving you the best price. The tickets get sent directly to your phone, and you can buy them in just a matter of seconds. Just a couple of taps, and you are set. Snag tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LakersNation for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LakersNation for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Sure All right, Sean. Me over here looking at the game time. I'm trying to see. I'm not even in Sacramento. <laughs> but like, just if. It's I not inside. The game is in Anaheim. Oh, that's right. It's in Anaheim. It's it's at the, the building that I still call the pond, even though it hasn't been that in decades. But, it, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's in, it's in Anaheim, this one is. But... Uh, Lakers taking on the Kings, no LeBron James. I don't know. We don't, I, at least I haven't seen the Kings say for sure who they will play uh, for this game. But this will be obviously a, you know, you're not going to have LeBron James out there. So far, uh, Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt. Yesterday after practice, uh, Darvin Ham just said they would be smart with both these players. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, no update for sure. They'll see how they're feeling. Uh, before the game and then go from there. But right now, both of those guys, uh, they could play, but no guarantee that they will. LeBron James is the one guy that we know is definitely out. So what are we looking for in, in this game, Sean? Um, going up against a Sacramento team that can be really good on the offensive end, um, can put up a lot of points in a hurry. What are you looking to see from the Lakers? I'm looking for some more just like defensive continuity now. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've kind of seen, again, I know it's, it's only two preseason games, but I think I've seen enough good stuff from the offense where I'm like, okay, the offense is kind of there now. So we're like, again, with continued, you know, 
timing execution with the you know the starters and with Braun and stuff like that. I think they're gonna continue to maybe even get better offensively. So now it's just starting to like put some of the stuff together defensively where you're not giving up 30 points in the first quarter or you're um in the 13 minutes Anthony Davis does play and you're looking like one of the the best defensive teams in the NBA. Um that like like I said at the top could be that top five unit on both ends. So and maybe that's really where I'm getting at. Just a more of a complete performance on yeah. uh, doing it on both ends of the floor against, like you said, I don't know what Sacramento situation is in terms of who's playing, who's not. But if they're if everybody's playing for Sacramento, that's a really really good team that is going to put up a bunch of points, and you'll put up a bunch of points too because I don't trust their defense. But can you guard one of the better offenses in the NBA? So that's going to be a really really cool test to see, even though it is preseason. Yeah, absolutely. If you know, assuming, and we don't know that he will, but assuming De'Aaron Fox plays, that's going to be an early challenge for the Lakers. We've questioned, you know, what does the Lakers' backcourt look like defensively with Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell? We saw them get away with it uh, pretty pretty well last year. They played well together, but who's going to guard De'Aaron Fox uh, between those two? And what does that mean? What happens? Uh, to their offensive game, if they're burning a bunch of energy. Now, De'Aaron Fox, I think he played like 13 minutes last game for Sacramento. Sure. So it's not like they're going to go deep into the game where Fox is playing 35 to 38 minutes or something and you're having to chase him around the whole game. So we're not right. going to see that that fatigue factor in here quite as much. But I'll be interested to see how the Lakers defend those Kings guards. That That's going to be certainly something to keep an eye on. It, assuming LeBron is out, uh, or knowing LeBron is out, Torian Prince can step into a bigger role on the wing. I hope Cam Reddish can play because this would be an opportunity, I think one where they they could really use what he can bring on the defensive end of the floor. And I think a matchup with the Kings would be a really nice bounce back opportunity for his offensive game, which was not good uh, in their first game, but he did turn that ankle. So We'll yeah. see if he's good to go. If he can't go, Torian Prince should get more opportunities on the wing. And then Jared Vanderbilt, is he a go or not? Man, I'll tell you this, Sean. It's preseason. I want those fans in Anaheim to get to see a show and get to see most of the guys playing. But if I'm the Lakers, I'm not risking anything. I'm not risking anything, especially with LeBron already already out in this one. If Vando, if that heel is bugging him even a little bit, have a seat. Yeah. I would... If you're gonna play AD this game, AD gets one more. So I think that'd be Friday, and then I'm you're done. Which again, I'm gonna even like just don't play AD today, or like right. I wouldn't mind it. Like again, that's not ideal for the people who bought tickets for this game and everything. And I don't. Uh, think I apologize if you bought gonna, tickets. Yeah, it, I, I don't think it's what the Lakers are gonna do. But if LeBron's not playing, like. At some point in the middle in preseason, they'll probably just shut down a, a number of guys. This probably wouldn't be a bad one to to do that for. I think the last preseason game, I don't remember their opponent off, off the top of my head. I'll look it up. But um, the last preseason game should be kind of your dress rehearsal for the regular season. Play your guys, go through it like your Golden State. Is it Golden State again? Maybe it, it is. Hold on. No, it's Phoenix. It's Phoenix. That's unfortunate. That's because you're going to see them early in the season too. Yeah, second game of the year. You don't want to give away like all of your sets that you're going to run too. So maybe you do uh, dress rehearsal against like Milwaukee. Yeah, do that October 15th against Milwaukee. Yep, as that is your dress rehearsal. So against Sacramento, though, back to that. I, I think there's going to be opportunities on the wing with LeBron out. So chances for some guys to show out and show their stuff. But again, if I'm the Lakers, I'm, I'm not risking too much with uh, with my starting caliber guys. And I think that what I'd like to see the most from this team is I want to see them really solidify their big rotation. If AD is going to play, yeah, solidify those pairings, right? Jackson Hayes and AD, how does that work? Christian Wood and AD, what does that look like? That's going to be really important to your overall defensive schemes during the season. And what a great team to get thrown into the fire against with Sacramento, who's a really good offensive team. Put those guys on the floor together. Make them figure out things on the fly. There could be a good opportunity to build some defensive cohesiveness in this one. So I, I'm not on the post game with you because for obvious reasons, but I, I want to get your thoughts on this. 
because we weren't well, be, able to because talk about you're it. doing the Lakers Nation post post game show, which everybody should stick around and make sure you check out on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel after Lakers Nation live following every single game. Sean's show starts right after that one goes. So you can come hang out, break down the game with me. And then right after that show, Sean picks up and he gets into the, the analytics and all that sort of breaking down the X's and O's and everything. So you guys can stick around for that as well. But anyway, go ahead. I had to get the cheap plug in there. Great promotion. Um, who's the fifth starter? Because I, this mm. is such a roller coaster ride. You ask me th- at the like start of September, Bando. It's start Bando. You ask me like the week before training camp and media day, I would have said Rui. And now, like the past three days, I'd say like maybe it's Torian Prince. And I think the Ruby train is kind of falling off just a little bit because I think with the opportunity, no Vando, I think they the if Ruby was going to start, you would have went Ruby right against uh, uh Brooklyn. You would have started Ruby. And Although we, we saw in the Brooklyn game some of the benefits of having Rui off the bench. Off the bench. Where the offense bogged down a couple of times and they just gave the ball to Rui and said, hey, go shoot over your guy. And he did it. Yeah. Um, so there is some benefit to, to that now, for sure. You could be doing the the trickery thing that I've been talking about where <laughs> the, the, the sneak attack plan <laughs> the, for, the, for Denver. The sne- plan sneak attack or uh yeah, plan operation Denver sneak attack. Um <laughs> Where we're just trying a bunch of different things out, and you know, internally we know the the real starter. But I don't know, man. Like I said, like I said, the past three days, I really kind of bought into the idea of Torian Prince starting. And at the very least, he didn't hurt a potential case for him not to start last night against Brooklyn. So, Trevor, who is like who right now is your fifth starter? Um, like, are you saying if are you saying for the game tonight, or are no, you saying for, for, the, for the season for the regular season? LeBron doesn't play tonight. I, so I'm leaning Vando right now. I'm leaning, I feel like okay. what we've seen so far suggests it's going to be Jerry Vanderbilt. Torian Prince shot so well, though, maybe he gets into that into that mix, but I think it's going to be Vando. That's my guess right now. Um, this is such a great problem to have, though. Right. The fact that the fact that like there were points last season where we were like, God, all right, who do they have to put in right now? <laughs> we had right? three the last players couple, especially, especially two seasons ago. Oh man. It was like, oh remember my gosh. our whole season's hopes were relying on a uh, Trevor Ariza to get healthy? Yeah. Like I did a film breakdown have, on Trevor Ariza for crying out loud. To have three or four, depending on how you're looking at it legit guys where you could see the real benefit to them being in the starting lineup and what they're going to bring out there and everything. And that they all bring something different. It's not like you're just picking between guys who all kind of do the same thing. And you're just hoping that tonight's the hot night for that player. Right. This is, this is fantastic. This is what, as much as we've got over it and everything. And we've, and we've talked about it a ton. This is great to have that problem of, Hey, Rui could start and he'd be great or Vando can start and he'd be great for different reasons or Torian Prince could start and he'd be great for completely different reasons than the other two guys. That's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. This is, this is the wing depth, Sean. I've been asking for for so long. They finally got it. I, again, I, I will say, I think it's going to be Vando right now. I'm flipping off of, of Rui. I think it's going to be Vando. But Torian Prince shot so well, you can't help but wonder. Can't yeah. help but wonder. Torian Prince is uh right now at this very second. Torian Prince is is my pick. Let, but, let's say everyone plays tonight except for LeBron. What's the starting five? D'Lo, Austin, Torian Prince, Vando, AD. I kind of want to see that group. I agree. I, that right? That's that's what I'm getting at. That's that's not bad. Uh, it's not LeBron, obviously. Yeah, but that's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's not a bad starting five. Yeah. Um. I don't know if any of the super chats are uh, gonna address it, but I and I know you've also said you don't want to get your hopes up, but man, I'm intrigued with Jackson Hayes. I really am. Mm. I am super intrigued with Jackson Hayes. 
I don't love how they're utilizing him defensively. I, I might have mentioned this on the, the previous pod you and I did that I don't love mm-hmm. how they're using him on that end because they're using him as a drop big where he's like he's weirdly vulnerable when he's retreating backwards than when like he's retreating where he gets to use that foot speed and contest shots where like he's kind of like to play drop and really, really good. You have to kind of be like defensive in a way, like, I mean, pun intended. Like, where mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it. You know, you get what I'm trying to say? Where, like, naturally, your job as a drop big is to protect the rim, right? Yeah. And not to get like allow anything to get behind you. But for like Jackson Hayes, where you want him to be this freak athlete that can contest and use their, their quick feet in like a moving side to side type way, like, I just don't like using Jackson Ace as a drop big. I think when they've had him switch and limited sample size, he looked great. They had one possession where I think they hedged and he looked great. Mm-hmm. Just do that. I don't love it when he's played drop and even offensively, like to have another floor spacer, but not in the way you think is a vertical floor spacer um, and for, for lob opportunities and that gravity it puts on the rim as well. And it's really good screening. Um, I, I'm definitely kind of impressed with Jackson Hayes. And if we do another rotation build, he has to get like some consideration. Is it what you're saying is that by the, the defensive schemes that you're seeing Jackson Hayes in, you think that they're limiting what he's really best at defensively. Like he's not uh, like, AD. Like, like you're you're you've got Aquaman on your team and you're only letting him fight in the desert and not in the water or something something like that, you know? Yes. Right? Sure, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, like, if you wanted to drop big, you should have gotten Bismack, for example. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? And Bismack's mm-hmm. a good lob threat. So, like, if maybe not to the degree of Jackson Hayes, but, like, if you wanted a drop big, go Bismack. So, I don't know. It's a little, it's a little tough because part of me wants to believe that they're kind of holding out on, like, throwing out their different bags of tricks in terms of scheme versatility mm-hmm. defensively until the season starts. And isn't drop a good base to build off of too? Drop's a great base to build off of. And so there there could be some of that. There could be some of that there, but like not with Jackson Hayes. He's not AD. Yeah, I mean, granted, nobody's AD, but but still. No. It's not even BAM where BAM can like do everything. Mm-hmm. Like Oh, yeah. by the way, who should be more mad right now? Lakers fans that Anthony Davis wasn't in the top six. For the defensive player of the year GM survey, and that players like Kawhi Leonard and Jaron Jackson Jr., who he completely outplayed in the postseason, were ahead of him, or Heat fans, because Bam Adebayo didn't even make the list at all, didn't even get the honorable, like Alex Caruso and those. And Caruso's a great defender, don't get me wrong, but Caruso, Lou Dort, those guys were on it. Bam did not appear on the list. Period. Who should be more mad? I'm gonna be biased to say Laker fans because. Okay. Anthony Davis, opposing teams literally shot 16% worse at the rim when Anthony Davis was the closest defender. That is ridiculous. Think about this way, right? A great offense is going to shoot like 65-ish percent at the rim, if not more, right? So think about making a great offense being literally like the worst offense in basketball at the rim because anything below like 55% is bad, but like 60 SA is like average, 55 is below average Anthony Davis essentially right if you're following me here a, a really good offense is now going from 65 percent to 49 percent at the rim he turns you into the worst offense in the NBA he, he the turns rim. you into the worst offense. that's unreal now that NBA. was just in the postseason but still just in the postseason that's, that's unreal that's, that's unreal. ridiculous and that guy who literally won them like the number one reason why they beat Memphis is because of Anthony Davis's defense one, the primary reasons why they beat Steph Curry and the Warriors is because of Anthony Davis's defense. How is that dude not even top five? Bams is egregious too. And I think Spo had a good quote where unfortunately defensive player of the year stuff is a, a blocks and steals award. Mm-hmm. Where if you're a Heat fan, like that'd be your argument. Bam doesn't stuff the stat sheet with blocks and steals or whatever, but if you look at the games or even like advanced analytics bams a top five big defender in the, on the planet so both of them were 
very egregious. Yeah, pretty bad. Pretty bad. All right, Lakers-Kings tonight, 7 o'clock Pacific time. Um, join us over on playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Hang out with us during the game. It is a lot of fun. All right, let's finish off. I do have some super chats here that were left over from our Lakers versus Nets postgame show. It's a great way to make sure that we answer your questions on the show is send in the form of a super chat over on YouTube during our live shows. All right, Alfred says Reeves stabilized the offense last season and the USA. Bench respects him and he doesn't add pressure that players feel under LeBron. This is Reeves' team. I was with everything Alfred said until the last sentence. <laughs> this is Reeves' team. Like, I get that, yeah, he doesn't add pressure. I, I, I took it, though, like, Reeves doesn't, Reeves doesn't seem to feel the pressure that comes with playing with LeBron. Pressure just doesn't seem to bother him, period. Yeah. Um. But uh, this is not Austin Reeves' team. And Austin Reeves is great. Austin would tell you this is not Austin Reeves' team. Yeah. I, I don't really have much more common no. outside of that. All right. Richard said, I think Reeves is going to be the glue. The one you can play with anyone and yep. keep the team together no matter who is on the floor. That I agree with. Yeah. That's a great way of thinking of it too. Like he's his skill set is so versatile and so malleable that he could really play in any lineup. Yeah. He could play in any lineup and it, and he's going to do a good job out there no matter what. And I think at least, you know, offensively, you could probably say the same thing about D'Angelo Russell. And that's what makes them such an interesting pairing. Um and obviously quickly becoming friends. Austin was so complimentary of D'Angelo Russell when he was on our show. He picked him to be the Lakers breakout player this year. And then if you saw a top golf, he's pulling off all kinds of crazy trick shots and stuff uh, with D'Lo. So those two as a pairing, it uh, it's just growing and growing. But yeah, Austin, the glue guy, play with anybody. We agree with that. Kid said, you're underestimating Woods. He's playing great right now. So Christian Wood, I thought he was better the second game than he was the first, but I would stop short of saying he's playing great right now. He's not playing great, but he's not playing bad. Um, I, I love the post attack that the Lakers were post up attack that the Lakers were able to uh, involve him in mm -hmm. in the second half of uh, the the Nets game. I would like to see them better incorporate him with lineups with him and LeBron on the floor and him and Anthony Davis together. That's really going to unlock uh, his upside for this Lakers team. Who else is going to like this? His upside on the Lakers team is they got to stop missing him on these pick and pops or just yes. him spacing the floor. Um, what did I say? He shot like forty four percent on open catch and shoots last year. Like that's a mm -hmm. dude that every single time he's open, I'm throwing him the ball. I don't care that he's like zero for seven on threes because now he's almost kind of forced. I haven't loved some of the threes he's taken. It's because he's kind of forcing a few of them. So I think um, he feels like he has to because it's just not coming in rhythm. So he's like, well, yeah. I better get the shot up now. Yeah, I I think that could be a big thing that we see in tonight's game. A big improvement that yeah. we see in tonight's game. I hope you're right. All right. Mamba mentality said if AD's three point shot is consistent, he may play the four. If AD's three point shot is consistent, you can legitimately run good lineups with him and Jackson Hayes consistently. Mm -hmm. If Jackson... I look at players, though, as who they're defending. That's what their position is. It's who they're sure. defending. Yeah. Is AD ever going to be the four? With no. this, Is he the four? Is he defending the four if he's on the floor with Christian Wood? No. Is he defending the four if he's on the floor with Jackson Hayes? No. I mean, like, even if you want to go with the route that, okay, you could get AD off the ball and make him a helper, who is sure. he helping on? He's helping on the bit, on the five in more cases than now, like, a Jokic matchup. You're moving him off the ball so that when Jokic does get the ball, Anthony Davis can eventually go help on Jokic. Um, so even then, like AD, he's going to guard mm. most of these fives. And I mean, he could he you could switch him onto fours for so you could put Jackson Hayes on a five, but you're not going to do that every possession. Your AD would be the primary option if you're like if you're trying to win a game. AD's defending the the bigger guy. Um, 
So I don't know if he'll ever truly be the four, but the bottom, you have more optionality if the three-point shot is for real for Anthony Davis. Ashton said, it would be good to see Braun become a mid-range guy. I think that what is being implied here is LeBron not take as many threes as last year. How I implied it was he shot two fadeaway mid-range jumpers last night, Mm -hmm. and I tweeted out one of them. Like, yeah, LeBron's shooting these fadeaways again. Or like, I'm pumped that he is shooting them again because it adds another way for him to get good or like you know halfway decent shots instead of maybe settling for a 30 foot jumper that's kind of short. And you can really tell that like last year he didn't have the lift, especially off of one foot, um, especially post-injury to where, like I said, that took away what was not even like three years ago, a really dominant, relatively consistent part of LeBron's scoring bag. You add that back. um, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be super effective. And also, to maybe ease up some of LeBron's offense, you can run more post stuff for him this year. And now that's a legitimate option for LeBron. So, um, yeah, I'm excited that LeBron has the mid-range fadeaway bag back. And, um, yeah, hopefully he does take more mid-range jumpers this year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the Lakers have enough three-point shooters, too, where they don't need LeBron to take as many of those deep shots. And and the mid-range shot, he's pretty darn good at it. So, um, all right. Pause. That's that's what did you go- say? I said the mid-range shot. LeBron is pretty darn good at it. I heard it. I heard something else. Never mind. Please continue. <laughs> shot this guy. Sleepy Sleepy Sean needs needs some needs a little bit of sleep before before the game tonight. Oh, Sean. Okay. Thank you everybody for joining us again. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. Uh, and then, of course, go follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And come hang out with us tonight during the game over on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Till next time, everybody. See ya. And stay safe. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.